Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. set up here. All right. Thank you, Sister Sarah. I'm, I'm good. Um, what an honor to be here today. And today is special for me because today I get to preach and I didn't have to invite myself to preach. That's great. The last time I preached here, uh, we were right over here having church in the fellowship hall, and I invited myself. I didn't even ask your pastor if I could come and preach. I just, I just came and preached. I just, I just told the people in the church, I'm coming to preach. And he wasn't even here. But I didn't take any of his saints. Actually, he was in the hospital, and we were praying for a miracle, and God gave us a miracle, and here we are. Thank the Lord for that. So on this very special occasion to dedicate this beautiful sanctuary to the Lord that he has given to you, what a, what a high honor of mine. And uh, I love this man, his wife, his family, and Gila Valley Pentecostal Church. And uh, the association, our church and your church goes way back before us, actually. It goes back. We thank the Lord for that. And so glad to be here with a great, great man of God, a great pastor that you have. And someone did some research, and they, they surveyed people from all over the country, from different, different churches, different backgrounds, dem, different demographics, and they compiled all of this information. And uh, when they put all the information together, they came up with a perfect pastor. Perfect pastor with all of this information. And this is what we know about a perfect pastor. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. And the perfect pastor condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings or ever names anything. He works from 8 o'clock in the morning till midnight, and he's also the church janitor. The perfect pastor makes $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and donates $30 a week to the church. The perfect pastor is 29 years old and has 40 years of experience. Well, the experience part he has, but, but anyway... <laughs> The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends most of his time with the elders. And the perfect pastor makes 15 home visits a day and is always in his office to be handy should you want to stop by. 
So thank God for a perfect pastor. And if you find one, let me know, because I never have. But anyway. Well, I'll, if you'll stand with me, I want to get right into the Word of God today. And we will preach. I'm not going to preach a dedicatory message per se. But I'm going to preach what I believe the Lord wants us to hear today. And then we will go right into the dedication of this beautiful sanctuary and building and complex that God has given to you. And uh, so that's going to be very special at the end of all of this. And so thank you, friend, for trusting in me, allowed me to come do this. What an honor. And you could have had some big wig, some big name come do it. But um, that's all right. He asked me instead, and I appreciate that. Jeremiah 3.15. Jeremiah 3.15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I will give you pastors. He didn't say you would, you would pick a pastor. He said, I'm going to give you pastors. I tell my people sometimes the reason why I'm your pastor is because God knows you need a hard head like me. You need somebody like me. You know, if you was a better saint, you'd probably get a better pastor, but you're not. So that's why you're stuck with me. But I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And I want to preach, my title is this, more than just a preacher. More than just a preacher. I guess another way we could say it is, he's not my preacher, he's my pastor. Would you lift your hands, would you pray? God wants to talk to us. God, we love you. Thank you, God. For your presence today, how easy it is to pray, how easy it is to worship, how easy it is to enter into your presence. The people, have, they have come like-minded to worship you, to hear the word of God. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, we praise you, God, we praise you. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. And I will give you pastors. This is what the Lord said through his prophet to the people of God. And so God is engaged by a covenant to provide a perpetual ministry, pastoral ministry to his church, to his people. It's the ordinance of God that a pastoral ministry would be continued in the church until the end of the age. And so God said, I'm going to give you congregations, pastors. They will be appointed and they will be anointed because I'm giving them unto you. The church, I don't care how spiritual it is, will never evolve to the place where you no longer need a pastor. No saint will ever reach such high spiritual maturity that they no longer need to listen to the pastor and the voice of the pastor in their life. As long as you're living, you need a pastor. This is God's way of doing things. 
Oh, hallelujah. And so God said, I'm going to give you pastors and pastors according to my heart, according to mine heart. And God has set some distinguishing marks upon the ministry, the ministry that he approves of. And so there are some things that I'm going to mention. So first of all, I'm going to talk about the man of God for a little bit. Then we'll talk about the message that the man of God may needs to preach. And then I'm going to talk to us and our responsibility to the man of God. And so God has set some distinguishing marks upon the ministry. And when you see this, you know this is a true pastor. This is a man after God's heart. First of all, a man must have a calling from God. He must have a calling from God. And you can tell the difference when somebody has heard the voice of heaven calling them into the ministry and calling them into pastoral ministry. Second of all, the pastor, according to God's heart, has to have a life that corresponds with his high calling. In other words, he has to practice what he preaches. A true man of God is going to perceive the danger. There's always new dangers that are arising in this world. And we need a, a, a man of God to perceive what is dangerous and what will, what, what will affect our soul in a negative way and uh, keep a watch over us and keep a watch over the church of the living God so that we don't fall into a snare and are destroyed. A pastor in affliction, he soothes. In temptation, he admonishes. In sickness, he comforts. In death, he is the one that turns our spirit back to the Lord again or turns our body back to the Lord again. A man after God's heart is not influenced by the smiles or the frowns of the congregation. He's going to preach, thus saith the Lord. Whether you're smiling or you're frowning, he's going to preach the word of the Lord. And the man after God's heart is going to preach the gospel, continually preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation. The pastor who is after God's heart from time to time is going to walk through the congregation because every day he walks among you. Every day he walks among the congregation and he's going to perceive things and see things and understand things. And then God's going to give him words to say. And from the pulpit, he's going to speak into this congregation. I'm talking about the man after God's own heart. He will take authority over the flock. Because it was God that said, I will give you pastors. And they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so that implies that not now, not never, will church leaders, elders, other ministers, board members, somebody's wife be in a position to inform the pastor of what needs to be said or what needs to be done. If it needs to be preached, he's going to preach it first. If it needs to be said, he's going to say it first. And then every preacher we will say it again. You know what to preach, young preacher? If you're trying to get a message, preach what he's preaching. Say what he's saying. Preach what the Word of God 
that you have heard coming from your pastor, the man of God. God gave a pastor to give us direction. God gave a pastor to us. Amen. And so I'm speaking about the need of a pastor. You can have many favorite preachers. All of us do. I'm sure it'd be nice today uh, if, um, if um, somebody like Matt Tuttle, maybe you've heard of him, if, you know, if, if he was preaching and you learned that he was preaching somewhere close to here, maybe Sierra Vista or maybe even in Wilcox, that's not far, right? About 40-minute drive to Wilcox, Matt Tuttle is there. That's awesome. I, might, I, I definitely want to go. That's a great man of God. Wayne Huntley. He's over there preaching or some other great man of God. But you know what? It's more important for you to be right here and to hear your pastor. I don't care if Matt Tuttle is across the street or Wayne Huntley. Those are great men of God. Those are great preachers. But this is more than a preacher. This is a pastor. This is a pastor. I don't get these people that follow preachers all around the country. And some do that. I know you don't have that problem. And they follow some great preacher around the country. But you've got to understand, when that preacher gets up, he's preaching to that congregation, not to some saint following them from another congregation. There's a voice you need to always hear, and that's the voice of the man of God that's sitting to my right tonight. Let me tell you about the qualifications of a God-called pastor. Is that all right if I take my time today? Thank you. I didn't even wait for a response. If I run out of water, no problem. There's eight more under here. And I will be done by the time I have drank all of those, I promise. Let me tell you about the qualifications of the man. Qualifications of the man, the pastor that God chooses. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, 3, 10, a bishop. Then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, diligent, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. That word bishop simply means the superintendent in charge. This is the guy in charge right here. All right? The bishop, and not given to wine, no striker, not guilt, guilt greedy of filthy leaker, uh, lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Here again, when people say, it's not your place to be taking care of things, well, they're wrong. Because right here, the Apostle Paul says, uh, this is the guy that's taking care of the church of the living God. He takes care of his house, and then he takes care of the church of the living God. Not a novice, left, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Thank God for a pastor that lives up to those qualifications. Lift your hands and thank God right now for your man of God. The second thing, though, is the message that the man of God must preach if he is a true pastor. And, and so I read to you chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. 
And Paul given instructions. This is the qualifications of a man. But before he dealt with that, he dealt with what the man of God had to preach in chapter number 2. He said this is what he has to preach. This is his message. The message that the man must preach. Verse number 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, ungiving of thanks be made for all men. In other words, this has to be a church of prayer, praise, and preaching at all times. Amen. He said for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You see, if he's preaching after God's heart, he's going to preach a message of godliness and honesty. He said, you got to preach these things. Some people don't like this, but God said, that's the only kind of pastor that comes from me. Any other pastors coming from you or from somewhere else, but if it's my pastor, they're going to preach some holiness. If it's my pastor, they're going to set some guidelines and some rules. My pastor preaches godliness. And then he goes on to say, who will have all men to be saved? Talking about the message. Uncommon to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, he's going to preach Jesus. He's going to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's going to preach Acts 2.38. He's going to preach the truth uh, until everybody that comes uh, has opportunity uh, to hear the truth, to repent, to be water baptized in Jesus' name, and to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on in verse number 5 to say, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's the message he has to preach, the oneness of God. All right, all right, you're getting comfortable. I know I told you it's going to be a while, but not that long. I'm, I promise. I'm going to go through some scriptures and when I read these, according to your response, I will know if this man preaches these scriptures around here, okay? And so if he doesn't, and it's the first time you've heard such a thing, then you sit there silent so that you can hear for the very first time. But if you've heard these, you can probably get just a little on the radical side and say that's our kind of preaching. That's what we hear around here all the time. We like that. So let me start with Colossians 1, 16 through 19. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? Colossians 2.9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. 
Come on, come on, come on, come on. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me uh, there is uh, no uh, Savior. Uh, Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Uh, who hath declared this from ancient time? Uh, who hath told it from that time? Uh, have not I the Lord? Uh, and there is no God uh, else beside me, uh, a just God and a Savior. Uh, there is none uh, beside me. Well, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Our Revelation 4 and 2, uh, and immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, uh, and one sat on the throne. Does that sound like something you hear around here? Then you have a true man of God. Then you have a true pastor. Because this is the message. The Apostle Paul said the pastor you better preach it if you are in charge of the church. You better preach this message. And thank God this message is preached here. Clap your hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. You can thank God every day that you get up. And you pray for your pastor and his family. Thank you, God. I have a true man of God. And the true man of God preaches the true message. And I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, a great preacher of righteousness. He preached longer than Brother Keys and myself together. We preached a long time. He preached longer than us put together. He preached a long time. The Bible called him a, a preacher of righteousness. And then the Lord had testimony concerning this man. That he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What a great man. What a great preacher. When God says you are a preacher of righteousness. What a compliment. What a compliment. And his calling came from God. It didn't come from his wife. It didn't come from his boys. Ham, sham, and japheth. Or ham, spam, and bacon is how I remember it. It didn't come from them. It came from God. I have had, I know it doesn't happen here, thank the Lord, but I've had mothers come to me that so wanted their son to be a preacher that they're trying to get him a five-minute fresh fire, you know, spot. They're trying to get him some pulpit time. They're trying to push him into something. Problem is, he wasn't called of God. And I'll let her know I'm sorry but mama can't call her boy to the ministry. All right? I've had some wives that have tried to manipulate and push and, and uh, pull all kinds of strings.
to get their husband into the ministry because they decided they want to be married to a preacher. But it doesn't work that way. You have to be called of God. And this man was called of God. And he faithfully executed his calling. His doctrine was right and his life was right. He preached decade after decade. He warned everyone, something is coming. There's a flood coming. You need to hear me. You need to get in this ark that I've been working on for all of these decades of time. And they laughed at him. But God honored his preaching. He said, this is what's going to happen. Guess what? Everything he said was going to happen, it happened. Because God honored his word with signs and wonders following. I think they should have got a good idea when they saw those animals two by two. Here's two gazelles, male and female. Right behind them is two uh, lions, male and female, lion and a lioness, right behind them. That's unusual. Usually that's breakfast in front of me. But this time they don't seem interested in breakfast. They seem interested in getting in the ark. And you see this whole lineup, and here they come. And the men of God said, you better get ready. And they laughed him to scorn. Get a clue, the man preaches. And God has ordered his preaching. God has ordered his preaching. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. They should have, they should have understood it. And then the door was shut, and then the rains came. And then it was too late. And then it was too late. You see, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Nothing wrong with the man or the message, but he never could pastor the people. They heard him preach decade after decade, but they refused to follow him. If he's your preacher, you might not ever make it into the ark, but if he's your pastor, you're going to follow him into the ark. You're going to follow him into the ark. Oh, hallelujah. There are two great men in the Bible. And I say two great men. And at first, you're probably going to question it, but they both started out great. One of them was Saul, and one of them is David. There are so many things that they have in common. Saul was the first king in Israel and reigned for 40 years. David was the second king in Israel after Saul, married Saul's daughter, and he reigned for 40 years. They were king over the same people. They are king in the same land. And both of them received their call from the man of God because the man of God went looking for this shy, humble man named Saul and found him among the stuff and said, God needs you to be king. And so God called that man to be a king. And the same way with David. He's on the backside, very similar. He's just over there taking care of some sheep. And God sent the man of God to find him. It took a while, but finally the man of God found David and anointed him to be king. Saul had a great preacher and one of the greatest prophets. He's known as one of the greatest prophets and judges because he was both a judge and a prophet, and that is Samuel. In fact, we have two books in the Bible that are named after him, First 
and 2 Samuel. That's how great of a man he was, a prophet and a judge. How would you like to have him for your pastor? Well, that was, that was King Saul's pastor. And it was the pastor that anointed him to be king. And Samuel prayed for his king. In fact, there came a time that uh, he was praying. He was crying. Tears are running. And God said, look, you're still praying for Saul. I quit a long time ago. I quit a long time ago. Even after God gave up on Saul, the man of God, the pastor, was still trying to get him saved. That's just what a pastor does. And God finally said, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? And when Samuel preached, it was straightforth. It was direct. It was thus saith the Lord. First uh, Samuel 15, 2, thus saith the Lord. There's no ambiguity. Sometimes I try to say a word and then forget it. And uh, you knew exactly what he was saying and what he meant and why he was saying. And so commandment came from the pastor to the king concerning Amalek. And uh, this is what the man of God said. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. And so he prefaces all of his remarks to let his member in his congregation know this is of God. I have heard from God. This is from heaven. This is what I want to tell you. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all, everybody say all, all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and women, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Is anybody here confused as to what the directions are? Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty clear to me. And you say, well, maybe the pastor, you know, he just, he just, he might have fasted a little too long, maybe prayed a little too long. He got the feeling a little too righteous or something. And, 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 and so he's just, that was just him preaching. That really wasn't, you know, so much of God. That was just him that was preaching. Well, no. Because what Samuel preached had already been preached. Had already been preached. Let me take you back to Moses. And because if, if you can't trust Samuel, maybe you can trust Moses. And this is what Moses said in Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19. And here God is speaking. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt how he met thee by the way, smote the hide most of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about. And Samuel is saying, God told me that time has come. We are at rest. We finally made it to the promised land. We have subdued our enemies. They have died by the tens of thousands. And now God's saying, I have some business that needs to be taken care of, that I prophesied would come to pass. In the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that then thou shalt blot out 
the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. Is anybody confused what blot out means? That means nobody left alive. Nothing left of them. Every picture burned. Every building burned. Every, every man, woman, child destroyed. God said, I want them obliterated. I want them blotted out. I want them to be gone. And that's what God said to Samuel to preach to Saul. The preaching is right on. The preaching is right in line with what's in the Word of God. But this is what Saul did in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to shore. That is over against Egypt. Woo! So far, we're having revival. So far, it's good. He is honoring the word of the Lord. But somewhere, this man got off the rails. Somewhere, this guy that thought he was a better preacher than his pastor, because one day, the pastor was a little bit late, and it was the pastor's job to prepare and the sacrifice and make a sacrifice before war, and he decided to do it himself. This guy that thought he was better than his pastor decided, you know what, I think I can, I can change things just a little bit. And so he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people from the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not and would not and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. But remember what the preacher said. He said to destroy everyone, including the king. There's no option clause in the commandment. He spared the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs. But the, the, the preacher said, destroy the ox and the sheep and the camel and the ass. Saul, hear me tonight, hear me today. Saul overrode the decision of the pastor and decided for himself what was vile and refuge and needing to be destroyed and what he considered to be good and worthy of sparing. But Samuel and God never gave him that kind of authority. And God, to this day, will never give the congregation that kind of authority. It'll come from the pastor in his pulpit. Come on, church. Come on, church. More than just a preacher. More than just a preacher. When it's just your preacher, you'll shout, run the aisles, talk in tongues. Woo! But the second he says something you don't like, you sit and you sulk. You show up when you want to when it's just your preacher. But you skip church when it pleases you. He preaches something you don't like. You, you, you say, well, that's just his conviction. That's his perspective. 
That's his way of looking at it. But I see something different. I see something else. When he's just your preacher, you'll obey what you agree with, and you'll reason away everything else. When he's just your preacher, there's no need to inform him that you're going out of town. You just go out of town. It ain't none of his business anyway. When he's just your preacher, you can start some kind of ministry and not even talk to the man of God because, hey, we don't need no man of God around here because all of us have authority. Boy, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. And all of us have unction around here. Hey, there's only one pastor in charge. There's only one man that God has placed over people, over the congregation. He's not just another preacher. He's your pastor. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're going to dig in the Holy Ghost today. Somebody, would you pray? Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 So Samuel comes walking in. He hears the bleeding of, of cattle. He hears the bleeding of the sheep. He sees some foreigners running around. They're supposed to all be dead. He can tell that they're dressed like the enemy, like the Amalekites, and they're all supposed to be gone. And he realizes we got a problem in the church. In other words, somebody's doing business, pastoral business, uh, for themselves, and it don't work that way. I can tell, Pastor, when I'm just somebody's preacher because major decisions in life, they leave me out of it. They leave me out of it. They, they have the U-Haul already hooked up to the back of the truck. They already have it. They already, they've already renounced, you know, they've already uh, stopped the lease on the place they were living in. They've already accepted another job somewhere else. And on their way out of town, they decide to call me. Isn't that nice? In other words, he's not our preacher. He's not our pastor. He's just another preacher. You don't need just another preacher. When it comes to your soul and to your children, you need a man of God that can speak into your life. And you need a man of God that can speak to your children. I've, I've had people... I've had people, and they're making decisions, and they up and leave. And uh, I have told them, you know, you know, I, you, your children are doing fabulous. Your, your daughter, your son, they're plugged into the youth group. They're on the front. They're living for God. They're first in the altar. They're worshiping the Lord. I don't know about where you're going. And when you, anybody here that likes the garden, you like anybody know anybody ever planted anything before? Well, you know, if you plant a tree, you can't just every six months pull it out of the ground and plant it again because it will die. It goes into shock. And sometimes I felt it so strong. If you a lot of times I say, you know what? 
I think you ought to go. I think you'll be blessed. But in this situation, if you go, you're going to uproot your young man, your son, your daughter. You're going to lose them to the world. And guess what? Every time they lose them to the world, I tried to pastor them, but they wouldn't let me pastor. They love my preaching to this day. I have people all over. Some of them have come back without their kids. And they will tell you, he's a great man of God. That's one of the, my favorite all-time preachers. And they even call me pastor. But I wasn't their pastor. Because when it comes to some major spiritual decisions, they made them by themselves, and they left me out of the loop. I'm telling you, when you hear something like, well, the pastor doesn't have time, you look at somebody in the eye and say, I am his sheep. Yes, he has time for me. You're not going to talk me out of going to my pastor. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to hear this. Uh, you're going to hear this. Well, you know, I, I went and I poured my heart out to the pastor, and, and then it got all around the church. You know what? You need to go look them in the eye and say, Pastor Connor, Tucson, Arizona, his cell phone number 520-977-5106 says you are a liar. It'll get out, but not out of his office. Not out of this man of God. When this man dies, there's a whole lot of secrets going to die with him. There's a whole lot of mess-ups that are going to die with him. It's somebody trying to keep you away from the man of God. Somebody trying to keep you away from the man of God. All right, all right, all right. We're going to take a little turn right here. We're going to take a little detour right here in the Holy Ghost. Saul and his son Jonathan and the men are in battle against the Philistines, and they are weary and tired, swinging a sword all day. It's tiring business. I don't know if we could do it. I know I couldn't do it today. And they were weary, and they were tired. And here's Jonathan and his armor bearer. And they're walking through the forest. And there's honey on the ground. There was so much honey. They didn't even have to reach down and to pick it up or reach up to a beehive and, and to get it. There was so much honey on the ground. They just put the end of their stave into it, brought it to their lips. And the Bible says their eyes were opened and, and they were enlightened. And they received strength. And they, and they were able to go forth and continue uh, to battle. 
And he was so excited about it. We need to tell everybody. We need to let everybody know. We go over there to Gila Valley Pentecostal Church. There's honey. Woo! There's honey. When that man of God preaches, uh, the honey's flowing. Uh, there's honey on the ground. Uh, there's honey on coming out the walls. There's honey pouring off of the pulpit. It don't matter where you're at. The honey is flowing deep. Uh, oh, thank God for the honey of the Word of God. It's rich. It enlightens our eyes. It gives us revelation. It gives us understanding. And Saul, the backslider, Saul, the man that's still king, but in his heart, he's decided, I will be my own pastor. Because I don't need a pastor. Saul says, if you touch that honey, then we will slay your life. He almost killed his own son because he was so angry as his own son. Because what happens when you get out of sorts with the man of God, eventually it's going to turn, that anger is going to turn on your family, and you're going to destroy them. You're going to wipe them out. He tried to kill his son, tried to kill his son-in-law, and he almost killed Jonathan that day and a whole bunch of those two men, those men that just won the victory. They won the victory that day. The whole battle turned. Saul had given up and backed up towards Megron, but, but Jonathan and his armor bearer went forward, and they destroyed 20 men with one sword, and then the enemy just started uh, melting away, and the, and the rout was on, and revival was on, but Saul was so disturbed in his spirit, he said, if you touch that honey, you're going to lose your life. There's always going to be evil spirits that tell you, don't come down here and listen to the honey that's coming from the pulpit. Abstain from the honey. Abstain from that preaching. I got something over here. But you know what happened? When those men could not partake of the honey, they were so hungry that they came upon some animals, upon some cows. And the Bible said they fell on them and slew them, and they ate them while they were still standing upright on their hoofs. In other words, they were so hungry, they took knives, and they cut out pieces of meat and threw it in their mouth and ate it. Couldn't even wait to go through the process of getting rid of the blood, which according to their law is how you must eat. They are breaking the commandment of God, and they're eating the blood, and they're devouring raw meat because they're so hungry, and it turns into a feeding frenzy. Stay away from the people that call themselves saints, and they got blood in their teeth. They got raw meat in their teeth. They got preacher in their teeth that they've been chewing on. Don't you worry. You can be kind and you be nice. God's judgment's going to come on them. God's judgment is going to come on them. You are a fool if you don't come here and partake of the honey. You are a fool if you don't come here and say, thank God. My eyes are open. 
I know the truth. I know how to be saved. I know what I do. I need to do to make my way to heaven. Woo. Honey, honey flows around this house. Honey flows around this house. Stand, lift your hands and worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 It'd be easy to stop right here, but I'm going to finish. Is it all right? Do you have enough energy? All right, I'm going to let you be seated. I, I feel like I need to preach. Is that okay? You can take a nap later. I'm going to need one. I'm going to need a shower, I think. I'm going to tell you, when the man of God says, this is how we do things around here, this is how we do things in our family. If he says it's violent refuge, it's violent refuge. If he says it's good, it's good. What he says, we're going to follow it. Saul made excuses for his behavior. And when the prophet, the man of God, his pastor said, what meaneth this? The bleeding of the sheep, the lowing of the oxen. And this is the words of Saul. Hear me now. Because this is funny. If you read the Bible, all through the Bible, I come to things, and it's absolutely hilarious. This is one of those times. It's absolutely hilarious. Saul says this to his pastor, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek. Wait, Stop. That's what we call an oxymoron. An oxymoron is two incompatible statements. If you kept Agag alive, you did not obey the voice of the Lord. How can you say I'm obeying the voice of the Lord when you're not obeying the voice of the Lord? I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I brought Agag, the king of Amalek. What? An oxymoron. Kind of like it's a short wait. Well, is it short, or are we going to have to wait? Come on. We were alone together. Well, if you're alone, you're not together. Anyway, we had jumbo shrimp. That girl is pretty ugly. Honest politician. That's a big oxymoron. Gay marriage. Marriage has already been defined. It's a man and a woman. Two men doth not make a marriage. I don't care if they have a piece of paper. I don't care if two women say, we got a piece of paper. We're married. No, you're not. Because what if you have to be a man and what if you have to be a woman? You are living an oxymoron life. Definitely, maybe. Or it was a small crowd. Oxymoron. Can you imagine standing there? Incompatible statements. Because he had a preacher, but he didn't have a pastor. He didn't have a pastor. And then there's David. His life is so similar to Saul. A lot of things are the same, but there was something different about the man of God. It's not that his sins were less because he had great sins. 
It's not that he had less sins. The difference was he loved his man of God, he listened to his man of God, and he was always willing to repent. Listen to this. The Lord sent Nathan unto David. That was his pastor. It was Samuel. Samuel ceased. Now Nathan is his pastor. He came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, the one rich, the one poor. The rich man had exceeded many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished and nursed up and grew up together with him and with his children did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was unto him as a daughter. There came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Can you imagine a rich dude taking somebody else's lamb? Woo! And boy, that got David. His anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Oh, that's right. You're the biggest tithe payer in the church. I just thought I'd tell you that story. Never mind. All right, you got influence around here. After all, you are the king. And they're still singing songs about the tens of thousands that you have slain. Yes, you are the man that killed Goliath. So I just thought I'd tell you that story. It was just, it was just a parable. Let's just, uh, hey, let's go have breakfast. No, the man of God said, thou art the man. Boy, David got all mad, upset. He had that preacher thrown in jail, nothing but bread and water. He said, you're going you're gonna to mind your manners and mind your mouth when you get your attitude straightened out, when you're willing to come down and bow your knee and kiss my ring, then I'll let you out of jail. No. No. Instead, these are the words the exact words, if I can find it, that came out of his mouth. I have sinned against the Lord. There was no angel that talked to him. There was no heavenly voice that he heard speak. The only voice David heard was the voice of his pastor. But when the pastor said it, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. He associated the voice of the Lord with his pastor. When I hear pastor preach, I just heard from heaven. I have sinned against the Lord. When your pastor gives counsel on a matter, you don't have to pray. Let me help you here. You don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have to talk to your friends. You don't have to send out, uh, you know, all these sad faces on Facebook, social media, hoping people ask what's wrong, and then you go off whining to them. If you ask, just ask the man of God when he gives counsel, you just heard the best counsel you could ever get. You don't need to talk to anybody else with hello in the house. You just heard the will of God. You just heard the voice of God. God said, submit and I'll bless. Submit, and I will bless. I told a young lady, I said, don't marry him. Don't marry him. And I told her, I said, look, this is easy. 
You don't even have to be spiritual to get this one. This dude, he's a liar and he's a con artist. He's a smooth talker. You don't have a job. He's, you know, you don't, he won't listen to nobody. His other pastor had nothing good to say about him. He bounces in here. Break it off. Break it off. Please, break it off. And she listened, I thought, because she's like a daughter to me. And, and then she came back a few days later, wanted to talk to me, and just looked me in the eyes and said, well, pastor, I prayed about it, and I feel good about it. Boy, that lit a fire in me. I didn't say nothing, but I was like, and you, I know you better than this. This is not you. You lying dog. Why are you lying? You know, I'm just like, ugh. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And God said, she did pray about it. I'm thinking, well, if you prayed about it, you wouldn't feel good about it. A Baptist would know better than this, hello. Come on. And God said, she did pray. And I did speak to her. And she does feel good about it. Because the Bible said when they would not receive a love for the truth. I got that day, I got a revelation. When they will not receive a revelation of the truth. For this cause, God, not the devil. God shall send strong delusion that they will believe a lie and be damned. When God speaks to the man of God and you cast it aside... The next voice is going to come from God, and God's going to tell you a lie so that you are lost. And God spoke to her enough to make her feel good about it. And no matter what I tried, no matter what kind of pleading, she married him anyway. And, of course, you know how that worked out in disaster. I'm not happy about it. I wish it would have never happened. But God sent her a word of truth, and she rejected the word of truth. And when you reject the word of God, you're not getting any other word. You don't even need to pray anymore because God's not going to talk to you. And if he does talk to you, he's going to send a lying angel to talk to you. If you don't listen to the voice of the pastor, you don't get another voice. Jesus, God in flesh, standing in front of Herod. Herod's wanting to communicate with him and asking him all these questions and wanting him to perform some miracles. The Bible said Jesus said not a word. Didn't say a word. You know why? Because Herod had rejected the voice of his first pastor, and that was John the Baptist. But he, but he had a problem with John the Baptist because John the Baptist got to preaching on sin and he didn't like it, and his wife for sure didn't like it. And to please his wife, he, uh, he had his head taken off, which is what people do in a sense. When they don't like their preacher, they take his head off, and everybody in the family can see it, that we don't respect the man of God anymore. We have decapitated the voice of our pastor. We've decapitated that voice, and we've laid it aside. And now the same man is saying, I want Jesus to talk to me. I want Jesus to say some words. And Jesus is not saying a word because your voice was John the Baptist. And if you won't listen to John the Baptist, you don't get a voice from Jesus. It's going to be a lying voice. 
lying spirit that comes and speaks. Lift your hands and talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. There are many great preachers in Pentecost. There's times, I know, I, I do conferences, and we have a conference every year. A lot of you have come to it, and there's youth conventions at our church and whatever. We have youth camps, all, you know, all kinds of different meetings. All of us are like, I wonder who's coming, I wonder who's coming. Because, you know, there's some preachers we really like, and we get all excited because they're coming. But you know what? If something comes up, my finances are all messed up or I can't get off of work or somebody got sick and I miss that whole camp and I miss that great preacher that I love, it, you know what? It's not a big deal. You know what? Because there'll be another great preacher. Sometimes there's a great preacher supposed to come. He don't make it. And so they have a backup, somebody else, and they'll show up and preach. We still have a move of God. We still have great preaching. And now he might become a favorite preacher. There's plenty of favorite preachers. I have lots of them. Your pastor has lots of them. There's only one voice that you have to hear. It's the voice of your pastor. I may not hear Wayne Huntley, what he's got to say this week, what he has to say last month. But if I can hear the voice of the man of God, I will be saved. I will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know this is supposed to be a special occasion and I'm running it, but that's all right. Maybe it'll get better here in a bit. Somebody think of some fast music or something later. We got to resurrect this thing. I'm going to kill it dead and then we'll resurrect it in Jesus' name. There was a man by the name of Korah. He didn't like how things were being ran. And so he went to Moses and said, you take too much on yourself. He didn't question the commandments. He didn't question the preaching of one God. He didn't, he didn't question none of the pre none of that. He just said, you're taking too much on yourself. You know, in other words, you need us to help make you decisions. You need us. And that's what they were saying. And Moses said, what do I do? And he talks to God. And God said, well, that's easy. Have Korah stand there. And you stand over here. And just invite everybody. Anybody, if you want to stand with Korah, you stand with Korah. And if you want to stand with your pastor, you stand with your pastor. And so he gave, he said, hey, if you want to go with this man that's against Moses and thinks he knows as much as Moses, if you want to stand with him, you go over there and stand with him. And everybody else, stand with Moses. This is God saying this. And the people come around Moses. And there was, I forget how many was it that, yeah, it was thousands. I forget how many thousands it was. They went and they stood with Korah. And they must have felt good. The Bible says there was princes that stood with them. In other words, there were leaders. There were elders. There were very important people in the church that stood with Korah, making him feel uh, secure in his rebellion. And then God said, all right. And he opened up the ground. And Korah and everybody with him was swallowed up into hell. But it wasn't just Korah that died. Somewhere there's probably there's a brother and a sister Smith. And they have a son. And they have a daughter. And their daughter is in the youth group. And she's, on the, she's in the praise team. And the son might be in Sunday school. Everybody loves God. 
But uh, they get to hearing this voice yapping all the time. They get to listening to that voice. They never personally ever lift their hand against Moses. Uh, they never say anything against him personally. They just sympathize with Korah. They just sympathize with his situation. And they find themselves just kind of wandering over here. And it was too late when they realized there was nothing under their feet. And gravity was taking them into the flames of hell. And as Brother Smith falls and he's, he hears the screams of his wife and the screams of his son and the screams of his daughter as they're engulfed in hell. And he's wondering, why did I listen to Korah? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I usually don't like to do this because I know when I'm home I don't want to do this, but every now and then I probably just need to do this. I have Pastor and Sister Key just stand down here. And if you stand with this man, I want you to come stand around him. And if you're not sure and you're not sure you want to stand with this man, God bless you. Let this be your last service. Don't ever come back. But if you stand with this man, God's going to give revival. The pro we ain't got to the promised land, but we're on our way. And Moses is going to get us there. And then Joshua is going to take us in. And we're going to make it. We're just going to pray just a little bit, and then we're going to dedicate this house, and then we're going to shout and thank God for the victory and everything that we've done. Let's just come. If you're from another church, we don't need you to come. If you're a visitor, you don't have to come. But if you're a member of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church, then I want everybody to come. And if you can't come because of physical issues, then lift your hands in support right now and pray together in Jesus' name. This is our pastor. Brother Keys is not just my preacher. He's my pastor. He's my pastor.
Aleluia. Aleluia. Do me a favor. Just stay up here. Just stay right here. Everybody turn and look at me. I was wondering how to do this, but I know exactly how I want to do this today. My brother Keys, we'll get, if he runs out of oil in one bottle, we got four more. So, But he's going to anoint every one of you, every single person. And after I give a charge, uh, as we dedicate this building, then we're going we're gonna to pray for everything in here. We're going to touch every wall, every chair. If you're a musician, you're going to come and anoint the mus musical instruments, the men that you're recognized as a minister in this church. Of course, we have Brother Keys right here. He's going to anoint this pulpit, and then everybody else can gather around. And, um, and so he will, every one of us, it won't take long. He's just going to anoint your fingers, just do it fast. And I want everybody, if you're a member of the church, everybody's going to be a part of that. And uh, we'll do that in just a, just a couple of minutes. Uh, but the word dedication used in Scripture refers to cleansing and to setting apart for a special use. So we're dedicating this. We're setting it apart. There's something special here, something special about what we do in this place. And so we're setting apart for the Lord. That's why we, when we lay hands on the sick, what are we doing? We're setting them apart for a miracle. And, you know, it's, it's typology, I know, but it's setting them apart for a miracle. And so we've gathered in this, this sanctuary to dedicate this building to God, to commit it to him. And Solomon, when he dedicated that beautiful temple to the Lord, he had a beautiful prayer. For the sake of time, we will not read it. But I'll just tell you what was in that prayer. And some of those same things is uh, what we're going to be uh, saying to the Lord. And uh, so he said that this building will be a place for your name. In verse 16, 18, 19, 29. Can you imagine? Four, this will be a building, this place for your name. And, and he said this where prayer is going to be prominent. Praise is precious. The word of God will be proclaimed. He said he wants this building to be a place for the, his work, where the ways of God are practiced, where our lifestyle of worship is professed, our witness is published, going out from this place. He said, may this building truly be a place for his glory, a fortress for the family, a haven for the hurting, a harbor for the lost. This is a school where we learn and are trained. This is like a greenhouse where the young are nurtured like a tender plant. This is a courthouse where God's word is supreme. This is a workshop where people, that's us, are crafted into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is a tool shed. We come here on Sunday to shout and dance and all that, but we come to get a tool and to go out into the field. We come here to the tool shed, and we go out of here with tools in our hands to work in the field. This is a temple where people should know the presence of God is in this place. And anybody that walked in here today would be able to testify, surely the Lord was in this place. So always, always, as long as this building stands, as long as this congregation is in this building, we are saying this will be a place for his name. This will be a place for his work. This will be a place for his glory. 
So I'm going to give a charge. When I stop talking, this is all you have to say. Uh, we dedicate this building. That's, that's pretty easy. Even I could probably remember that. We dedicate this building. Recognizing our own unworthiness and that we are entirely the object of God's wondrous grace, we the people, we dedicate this building. To the glory of our great God in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, we dedicate this building with sincere thankfulness to God for every man, every woman, every young person who by their tireless labor have brought this wonderful day to completion with gratitude for every saint who gave freely of their finances that this house of ministry might be a reality. For the purpose of worship, praise, and fellowship. For the ministry of the Word of God. For fellowship and prayer. For training, equipping, and building up the believers. For the outreach of the gospel. For the salvation of souls. For the development of missionary endeavors. For sending men and women into Christian service. And then I will end with this. And now, in acknowledgement of the sovereign grace, the will of our wonderful Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, the members of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church, dedicate ourselves anew, praying and trusting that this building shall be used of God for his own purpose and glory throughout this community until even the ends of the world. And everybody said amen. And your pastor, your pastor is going to anoint everybody with oil. Just come by real quick, 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 quick. I want him, just him to do it. He's going to put oil on your fingers. And then we're going to kind of scatter out. We'll all stand here so we can. And then I'm going to have your pastor come and pray. And I will conclude it. And then we're going to shout. We're going to shout. We're going to love God because this is a fabulous day today. We're going to leave this place shouting and dancing and talking in tongues and loving God. We'll have people up on the sound booth if that's where your area is. The pews, the walls. We're just going to touch everything we can. Maybe one of the ministers will go into the baptismal tank. Lay your hand on that baptismal tank because everything, everything that's here belongs to God. Everything that's here we give to him. We want every square inch of this building to be dedicated to the Lord. And then the pastor's going to come. If you just wait just a minute. Go ahead and scatter out, but wait until the pastor gets here. All right, if there's any more. All right. 
Brother Keys, if you, any, once you're finished, if you could come, take this mic, and you're going to pray, and we're all going to pray. We're going to dedicate this entire building, and then we're going to shout to God for this miracle, for what God has done. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the presence uh, of your Holy Ghost that is in this place. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the power uh, of your Spirit uh, that resides here. Uh, we thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you, Lord, uh, that your favor uh, is 